What was that you were saying? Treasure it. Any shots. Well, uh, welcome to Fallout Podcast, episode 63. And sometimes they say your thumbprints are on the paintwork. It's a futile fall showdown. All 525 songs, all having it out, all that stuff. Sponsors. I know that was last week. Um, oh, this is not even the right set of notes. Oh, there it is. Here we go. Here we go. Joined as always by Michelle Chippington Beard Billy Rugby with his vest made out of tracing paper. How are you, Pip? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Possibly too much brandy for breakfast, but you know, it's all all right. Aye, aye. And uh, Lord Sage Temple was here. Is he back? Is he having, is he having internet woes? Hard to say, but um, I'm sure he'll be around at some point for something. T. Pemberton Walker, one of the best songs I've ever heard by Stephen King. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, Brendan. I've enjoyed my Alistair Crowley uh, advent calendar. There's today's picture. Looking with his pipe like Phil Rigby. The Great Beast. It's great chocolate. <laughs> and uh, vegan, cho- vegan chocolate, yes. Tiny Tim Trois, consumed by a premonition of trouble on horizon. Is he joining us tonight, Phil? Are you joining us tonight, Phil? And I am Tim Three Beards. No hubbard or husbandry or freedom from the holy terror. And joined by Rob Tony, Max Seven McLeod of Bruce County, integral wizard second tier. It was coated in poison. Bless, bless. Indeed. Now, Robert, before we go any further, I believe that you've been working on a project you call the three types of fall fans. Is that right? Yeah, I began about 90 minutes ago when you messaged me saying, <laughs> I'm going to ask you what the three types of fall fans are. I hope you're ready for it. I'll edit that bit out. Let's hear what you've got so far. There are three types of fall fans. Good ones, okay ones, and bad ones. That's the best I've got so far. Oh, you can do better than that, Robert. Come on, bring it on. All right. Three types of fall fans. The fall loyalist, the fall objectivist, and the fall revisionist. Shall I say more? Yes, please do. All right. Fall loyalist. Some of us are here and paying attention. (laughs) Some of us are also not, myself included. Uh, Fall loyalist. You like them at some point in time. What Marky Smith does is good and is genius. And since I am not a genius, I trust his wisdom. If it is Marky, it is good. It is my duty to get the new album when it comes out. This type of person listens to Live at the Witch Trials and then feels the necessity to listen to Reformation post-TLC and the Marshall Suite for equal measure. The Loyalist. <coughs> Alistair. <laughs> Two, the Fall Objectivist. Let's look at the Fall as an entity. Marky takes a sidestep here. Let's be objective. No cult of personality. Some of the band's work is better than others. Like, some of it's actually brilliant and some of it is, like, actually shite. Uh, you might even have, like, some sort of tournament to objectively inquire into and decide what work is their best work. You may have stopped buying albums by the mid-90s, but you always listened to your friends' copies or anything afterwards, and then you went on a BitTorrent downloading binge in about 2007 and caught up on everything you'd missed. Mentioning no names, moving right along. What's the third type? Fall revisionist. Those who question the problematic behavior of Smith and the institutional injustices of the fall as an organization, with Smith at the top of the hierarchy reinforcing injustices against members of the band. But the fan can also discern for themselves a 
specific niche of fall material, and they have curated an artistic appreciation for Marky and the band. And regardless of objectivity or not, uh, they have curated a personal fall Spotify playlist, and uh, they also own three albums they found at a yard sale. Well, I'm not sure if those types stick really in the real world, Rob. I mean, it's 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 good that you're playing around with these, but I think it's all pie in the sky. But um, let's go on with tonight's um, thing, shall we? Paintwork against Fantastic Life, Glam Racket against Bournemouth Runner, Unutterable versus Jingle Bell Rock, and Protein Protection versus OFY Etsy Showcase. Philip, are we uh, good to go? We are good to go, but I, I, I missed the last one of what Rob was saying, which he said me and Ezra was. So I want to know what kind of fall fan I am. Oh, you'll find out in three weeks when the episode comes out. <laughs> I'll pay, pay yeah, more attention. Hey, hey, I don't know how you put up with him all the time, to be totally honest with you, on your podcast. I don't want to pry, but who were you talking to, Phil? I hope it was, it was bus- it, fall it, business. It was, simply, it was simply a car hire firm. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I some... would now be playing fall tunes were it not for that you've disabled my ability to actually do that, Brendan. I only have one job to do, and you're, you're <laughs> stopping me from doing it now. Go on, strike, Phil. There you go, Sunshine. <laughs> Give us some uh, of paintwork. The simplest of tasks. For the simplest of people. Well, well, as is customary in these things, Philip, I'm coming to you first. Paintwork, this nation's saving race, 1985. Oh, this one's triggered a lot of chat in the bunker, hasn't it? And a lot of chat online, apparently, are just simply asking the question and people having the view. Uh, I, I love it. It's great. Loads of things jumped out at me as I was listening to it. It's sort of dubby production on it of things cutting in and out. Uh, band instructions coming over the top. Uh, that wonderful Ringo Starr sampled symbol that kind of comes in every every sort of four bars possibly from dr rock i don't know they're like afterthought vocal mix going on which is you feel like you're eavesdropping on what mez has got to say <clears throat> maybe we shouldn't be listening at all and then because you spent so much effort trying to listen to what he's saying you kind of miss the fact that this wonderful music has just been building up in the background and going on and on and on and then about four minutes you get a nice change where it all sort of livens up they, they you know learned all the lessons 
from overly repetitive stuff without any sort of sober. And like, it's great. It's got so much stuff going on with it. Really reminded me of the Pixies, like Way Up Your Man kind of vibe. Um, so very, very poppy. Lovely warm keyboards on it as well. Um, really, really um, enjoyed the the juxtaposition between that, the the nice poppy music and Mezzi's sort of somber uh, Smiths esque kind of combination going on um, and then it, his lovely throwaway comment hook that yeah again maybe that is what he was eavesdropping in and he's kind of nicked it in somebody else's conversation the whole you're messing up the paintwork something one of those things that you kind of hear in every conversation so yeah brilliant slice of, of perfect forms indeed Alistair what do you make of this yeah I'm agreeing with, with Mr Pitt Rigby over there I love it another great example of him kind of like cutting off the nose to spite the first where you've got like this really beautiful Beautiful pop song, like you know, that's um, quite competent in its own way. And it's just like, right, how could have fucked this one up? Like you know, and uh, that makes it even better. I do like it. But, well, all the stuff with the vocal, the, the little samples coming in and out, it remind me uh, a bit of a day in the life, which is great. But yeah, it's been vandalised in a beautiful way. Um, it actually reminds me a bit of Faust or something like that with the, the way that the samples are coming in and, and what it is. You know, it's just like loads of like random, or kind of random speaking. But yeah, the, the kind of like the, the pop sound to it, it reminds me a bit of Pavement. I know Phil mentioned Pixies, which is like fair enough. They, they like the keyboards, the, the little pitch bend thing on it, it, it amuses the hell out of me. That's very frank. But yeah, yeah, all the time, you've got a very nice reflective vocal delivery going on, which is dead sort of like relaxed, low key. It's, it's a very nice song. Do indeed, like it. indeed, indeed. Wish I had my cards out that I did a week of Sounds Like Faust, Sounds Like New Order. What are you in your red? Cramps. <laughs> cramps. Is it, it must be time soon to do a Futures and Pass on the Cramps, Alistair. It might be, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, looks interior. What a guy. He was in an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. Indeed. Rob, what do you think of Paintwork? Paintwork, quite like it. To add to the Pixies pavement references, I also heard like early 70s kinks. And even for a moment, Ooh. I was like, where is this like acoustic guitar? line wherever i heard this from and i finally sorted it this morning ween's tried and true there's something about the you know drum machine production those warm synths the guitar work that remind me of some like ween material as well uh for me just to try and say things that haven't been said already i highly agree with philip rigby and alistair on these things oddly enough for this song paintwork and what's coming up next fantastic life i made two lists and i feel these songs check all the boxes on these separate lists i'll get to my fan fantastic life songwriting list in a moment but as far as the fall production goes this ticks all the boxes for me there's it sounds like there's multiple versions of the song like the song starts off with that kind of like sounds like it's been recorded on someone's secondhand ghetto blaster type of a thing and then it blends into a more studio version and then uh, I think it was Phil mentioned that like later on in the song there's this kind of bridge that just sounds like it was recorded in a different studio with like a completely different mix of stuff uh so box tick for mixing versions it's got the tape restart effect which we've heard a few times across I think every album at some point where you think the song started and then there's a and then like another version starts thing box ticked background noises background audio from like apparently a 1985 news broadcast that was just randomly taken so box ticked egregious sound effects like I just love how you know three quarters of the way through they just start turning up the reverb and delays on everything love that and then just the idea of repetition of a theme like aside from 
from that little bit of uh, the bridge that pops in once or twice there. It's just that same riff over and over again, that Ringo Starr electronic ride cymbal kicking in. I just love how the absurdity of it over the course of the song builds. So production-wise, things I like about The Fall, every box ticked. This is a 10 out of 10. Love this one. Well, Allah, he's called it. Man stopped us at the corner. He had a bloody nose. I mean, he opened his denim jacket. It was under his vest made out of tracing paper. Chest scarred, portrayed Aztec life in his horrible self-made disfigured tedious in its over acquaintance and obviousness so apparently bricks thought he was about their new house <laughs> the other one is this one might be too but mez said it's about how the english personality is about independence and the europeans don't understand that <laughs> that's how he interpreted those lyrics but really he just got told off for touching the paint didn't he um mm-hmm. that's no, he's been in trouble not, not brexit pre-cog then what does tim think of um a paintwork well, Tim thinks this, a heartfelt tribute to marital bliss. Never been sure exactly where this sits with regards to intent, but the results are marvellous. Everything about it is pretty much perfect. The varieties of recorded sound assembled together expertly with just the right amount of stuffing falling out to unmistakably be a fall product. The layers and layers of effects and affect create a masterpiece. Just when you think it can't get better, Brix's ethereal vocals haunt the last minute, create a perfect capstone. Stunning. Indeed, indeed. And Ezra, how about paintwork? Is it a uh, early classic? Oh, it's yeah, it, it's an absolute masterpiece. I mean, it's it's a strange song in that it's so kind of low key, but it worms its way straight into your affections. This just glorious kind of like guitar sound with a great chorus. It it, it feels to me like they basically invented pavement with this song if they hadn't already done it before. <laughs> which they probably had, but here they completely, you know, the die is cast. And it's such a strange song. It starts off with some kind of weird dream sequence where Mark meets somebody with Mayan glyphs tattooed onto his chest, which presumably are keeping him trapped in some kind of um, Mayan slave, cosmic slave scenario. And then he wakes up and starts talking about having sausages and liver. And to me, it's a fucking national anthem and it should be a national anthem and for anybody who cares or doesn't care about the collective hallucination that is a nation this is the song that you should be going for and to me it just sums up everything about England somehow whilst saying not very much at all and it's yeah god it's fucking beautiful it's a great song quite literally this nation saving grace quite indeed clicks when it comes on gentle like like a TV theme tune, hummable acoustic riff. Is the bass acoustic as well in this early part, or is it just mixed low? And then he drops his dictaphone on the floor and records over a section of the tape. So apparently that's what happened. He took Simon Pampite Rogers' tape home to, to sing on it or to have an idea of it, dropped the dictaphone on the floor and recorded over a section of it with, with the uh, open university thing about black holes. And uh, they just used it. They just ran with it. It was something like Simon Rogers was like, Pembroke has done it. Half done in my bedroom, marked at the cassette away. He had it in his little dictaphone recorder and sat on it made a big hole in the middle of the track but John Lecky was like what we'll do is put the cassette on the 24 track and just play along with it with a bit that Mark's rubbed out so they just kind of overdubbed 
on top of the empty bit um which is beautiful and just any other band would just do it again just, just <laughs> <laughs> um yeah mumble in mez here is there anything earlier than this that is this quiet and mumbly i don't think there is i think this is the beginning of that whole kind of strand of of mez that they explored a lot more in the uh, in the bush years it does get meaty about two minutes in with some nice simple organ runs such a unique tune nice backing vocals towards the end i agree with tim it's absolutely beautiful one of my one of my top ones which makes this decision so tricky this evening brendan if i may i'm coming from belgium that's where i'm broadcasting from today it's the duty of every belgian to mention this there's been a lot of talk about the history of pavement as every belgian knows pavement invented in 1870 by belgian chemist edwin j de schmidt well done schmidt the plot thickens but this is a fall podcast so i'd like you to keep i'd like you to keep the rest of your opinions to yourself thank you robert Let's move on to um, the next track it's up against, which is Fantastic Life, a B-side from 1981. So people would be giving me a hard time about putting these songs up against each other. Like we've got 10 episodes left in in, um, in the first round. Let me just give you a hint of what we still have to come and see if you can organize it better. Um, totally Wide, Industrial Estate, The Classical, My New House, Fiery Jack, Jawbone and the Air Rifle, Pro Art Threat, Hip Priest. They all have to come up in the last 10 episodes. So uh, do the mathematics. Anyway, Alistair, what do you think of this song it's a fantastic song yeah um it's got you know some very poppy stuff in there even though it's like dead minimal like but it's not going to be something that fans of pop music will like reminds me a little bit the the velvets i think it's the the, the, i don't know the rhythm or something like that but there's there's some lovely vocal delivery i love the the uh yelps it's like uh, smith's yodeling which if you put it together you know smith yodeling smoldering uh the keys very kind of like minimal approach to it it's a song that i think uh, you know you could get a band like i think i've said before stereo lab could have covered this one and like really nailed it and for some reason i've written here hitler does not like bad news oh he didn't did he he just used to ignore it who does al who just like you and I, well, I'm more like you, but um, <laughs> exactly like you. <laughs> but fantastic life, fantastic song, brilliant. And uh, Ezra, what do you make of this one? Yeah, it's an absolute stormer, sizzling, sizzling keys, sizzling kind of motoric rock straight down in there. And it's another one of these, which is a well-worn kind of lyrical motif from Mr. Smith, which would be references to life. But I've never felt better in my life. The finest 
days of my life and many, 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 many more. And so, you know, he's plowing that furrow and it's fucking brilliant, this song. It really is. I don't know it as well as paintwork, but it just gets straight in there, just keeps on driving all the fucking way. Great stuff. Indeed. That was a B-side to uh, Lie Dream of Casino Soul, which was, what, Dragnet era. First song they, they did with two drummers, apparently. First song they recorded with it with, with Hanley and Burns on the both playing drums. He gets straight in that. Yeah, I think what you're saying, Alec, anything with that, the keys and uh, and the uh, and the kind of four to the floor are in kind of um, sync in lockstep, gets that motoric thing going on. And yeah, Stereo Lab would do a beautiful version of this, I think. Nice menacing keys underneath, which I think are Riley. And uh, the bass is driving it home and um, it goes on a bit long. It's a three minute pop song. And there's about four tonight that go on for about six minutes. I was done at three minutes, but this is one of my favorites as well, which is this is such a hard choice. Um, Fantastic Lies, an old school pal in a bar urinal. He used to push pills in electric circus. His dad, his dad pushed pills to Guy Burgess. Dull penicillin to the eastern ching played ridden. And the one thing I have found is what you cast out will hit you back and man will find he has to deny his fantastic life. Many, many more. This is actually, the lyrics in this song are top notch. Very good indeed. Robert, what about this one for you? Yeah, my life has become a little bit more fantastic since discovering this song. I'm still getting into the fall. I'm still a newbie in this game, which you guys are experts in. But if I was now trying to get someone else into the fall, I would actually put this on my 20 song intro mixtape to give someone with a little like asterisk and a little one indicating a footnote. And in that footnote, I would say this to me ticks all the boxes as far as songwriting goes for the really good high energy fall tunes like unrelenting drums with no or minimal fills, heavy emphasis on the tom drums, box ticked, choppy guitars tick. That's indicating I was checking it. Uh, The other instruments are not playing hooks. They're just adding to like the intensity. Like there's, I couldn't hum or whistle or sing what the keyboards are doing or the guitars. They're just there to like add that intensity. Um, Very animated vocals on this one. Love the voice cracking, all those things. And with lyrics that I can't quite follow, but I assume it's because I'm an idiot. So like box ticked. I like that as far as songwriting goes. Simple chorus. Uh, This one also a 10 out of 10 for me. We're sending something like we're sending prime cuts to the last chance saloon with this one. Oh yeah. And the one other thing with the marquee vocals doing the uh at the end espionage uh those things box ticked as far as like the songwriting of the fall goes this one ticks everything for me yes indeed it is a tough tough choice and there's going to be some copious uh footnotes in this uh in this mixtape you might have to add some extra pages to the booklet but yeah you can also tell us. what what if like paintwork had just gone up against like uh jingle bell rock and what if uh if robert. This one, no oh, robert okay. did you not do you not listen you know my intro at the beginning where i said that it's divided into four areas i know i didn't say it today but i know you're a long time listener four eras robert just for just for you and the listeners at home jingle bell rock was recorded some point later it's, it's all a bit vague at this point but it just just for clarity i'm a long time caller first time listener today. very good I'm going to read some more of those lyrics because they are top notch. Style's too easy to buy nowadays and there's interference with the mail and you just can't get out the words. Some people think if they had a job, they'd be well. The Siberian mushroom Santa was in fact Rasputin's brother and he did walk around Whitechapel to further the religion of forgiven sin murderer. 
No lie. A friend called David said he had a Barney on Corporation Street. A fantastic lie. I can't remember who said anything at this point. I'm so excited. What does Tim think? He says the following. A brutal thing to pour this against the aforementioned. A sublime slice of all with a perfect gutsy sound. Everything working in harmony. That driving and choppy guitar style in particular. Lyrics are also brilliant and evocative. Good shit. Good shit indeed. And Philip, yourself. Um, yeah, so the, the, the clip that you, the link that you sent us when we were listening to this uh, had the Slate cover on it. So I'm assuming these were the sessions running up to the to the recording of Slate's. Which I, so. I, I just, I, I just, they didn't put a foot wrong. They just don't put a foot wrong during this period. That Slate is, is possibly, I was saying to myself like that, it's possibly one of the greatest slices of English music ever captured on vinyl. It's, it's absolutely incredible testament to a, a, a very talented bunch of uh, musicians. I it think everything... Be, it could be the best ever 10-inch... It could. It could. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. <laughs> and... I, I don't really have much more to add to it. I think everybody's nailed it, really. This is this is a very, very difficult toast to make. So, so far, everything that's come up on Slate has gone through. Middlemass and all the lover fit and work against Slate to leave the capital. There's only pro-art threat left. And st- <laughs> What's that? It should go out. I'll go for it. <laughs> I think. But the bonus tracks, uh, sorry, but bonus tracks are Lie Dream of Casino Soul, Fantastic Life, Medical Acceptance Gate, which, again, they just added more top-notch stuff to that. Is it, it would just make it the best album. Basically, <laughs> yeah. But time. It's time. time it's time. time. I'm trying to procrastinate, but I can't do that no longer. Um, Alistair, which way are you going? I'm going to vote for Beautiful Vandalism and go with uh, Paintwork. Okay. It's one, though. A very tough one. Tough indeed. Which way is Tim gone? That's an excellent question. He has <laughs> he's given paintwork forty five, and he's given fantastic life thirty three point three. Okay, nice. Uh, and those numbers probably have some significance to some people. I think, I think not to me. But paintwork gets two points. Ezra. Well, I did bring my staple gun, and I put exactly four staples in it today because that's how I feel. Um, but I'm going to go for fantastic life. Nice, throwing it out there, giving it a, a glimmer of hope. Philip? Uh, I'm with you, as mum. I think it's fantastic life just edges it for me, yeah. Indeed. It's got a sense of energy that the other one doesn't have. So it's, um, um, and the words I think are a bit better. So I'm on the edge with that. Oh, I'm going to pay work because I think it is unique. Especially in that era, I don't think it sounds like anything else they did in that first decade. I think it's beautiful, but yeah, it is hard. Fantastic life is it's a shame. It's a crying shame. Robert, taking it to the fingers, or you're driving it home. It is a difficult one to choose, but at the end of the day, mark my vote in acrylic and watercolors. I'm going paintwork. It's a done deal, done, dirty, and done. And I'll give you that five pounds later and unconnected. (laughs) incident and let's go to phase two of this operation uh, glam racket off the infotainment scan 1993 <laughs> From somewhere or other, why don't you bug off, man? Saturday in Ireland, glamour. 
What do you make of Glam Rick? What a racket, eh? Oh, what a fucking treat. It's absolutely hilarious. It's like Marky e. Smith at the top of his total non sequitur. What 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 did you just say to me? Did, are you trying to insult me here? Or precisely what is the aim of some of these barbs? We really don't know. Um, Steve Hanley reckons it's all about him because he ate a whole chocolate bar. <laughs> Marky Smith gave him a chocolate bar and he ate it all. And then Marky Smith comes back and he's like, where's my chocolate? He's like, oh, I've eaten it. And what a terrible thing. What a terrible man he was supporting the fall for all those decades and snaffling up all those chocolate bars. But yeah, the... the <laughs> Some of the stuff he comes out with, where are we? Yeah, so of course, you know, stop eating the chocolate. You hang around with camera crews in shell suits. You read Viz Comic, which, you know, Viz Comic has always been pretty funny as far as I'm concerned. You've got Celia Lloyd in your jeans, Dad. (laughs) You've cut my income by one third. You were working on a video project and you never put your hand in your pocket. You're one of the, my favourite, you're one of the best songs I've ever heard by Stephen King. (laughs) It's just beyond hilarious. And then the icing, well, maybe I should say the cherry on top of the cake is that he doesn't say glam rack at once in the song. (laughs) It seems like he's saying glam rick. It's theorized on the annotated fall that he's actually saying glam rickt, but then that would sound like rickt, but he's actually saying glam rick because you can... That sounds like the Lovecraft monster. Yeah, so what a fucking great treat of a tune this is. And there's a lot more to it as well, like the uh, Gary Glitter stick Stealing and many other things, but I'll leave it at that for now. Indeed, it is. Um, I, I just assumed we talked to Rob about it. I assumed that Rick was just some stage manager who pissed him off, who happened to wear like a particularly wide collar one day or something, and uh, that was enough to set Smith off. But apparently, it's just a bunch of aphorisms that he uh, put over the top of this glam tune. But uh, Robert, what what do you make of glam, Rick? Yeah, well, to go to the Gary Glitter for a second. Uh, as someone who's just reading through Renegade right now, I know Marky Smith mentions that one of the best gigs he ever went to was a Gary Glitter show, and he understands that with all the uh, controversy, we've moved on from him, but that it's a shame because the guy's got a lot of great music. And clearly, I think it's obvious that the glam rock, the glam drums are coming through on this one. For me, I'm always a setless nerd. Played 83 times from 1992 to 97. So I'm curious if any of you saw them during that phase. And to me, it's clear that the band likes this song if they're playing it so much. I imagine it would come across really well live. I also tried to find a few live versions 
and my apologies for my ignorance not knowing who would have been in the band during these times. There wasn't a year on the recording I heard, but a uh, few of them had female vocals with no Marky Smith singing. And I almost wondered if this was his little like take a break, wander off stage, get a drink, come back on. Crowd's all hyped. It's been a lively tune. I think the song to me, there's a lot of pieces working and it's the one that grew on me the most. But for such a like raucous, almost stadium rock leaning song, I found the recording of it a little bit flat uh, myself. But the live versions seem to come across a lot more. So like it, it's growing on me. It has the instant energy, feels like it could be used in a car advertisement, possibly if the vocals weren't up so loud. I like it, but the recording, I felt there was just a little bit of, of glitter, for lack of a better word, missing from the final recording. And Robert, being a North American, you probably don't know what going to the Gary Glitter means. I do not. I assume it means going to a Gary Glitter concert. Oh, oh, well, exact move on before that we get ourselves cancelled. <laughs> Alistair, what do you make of Glam Racket? Hey, well, Rob was saying, I don't know if any of you saw it before we're about this year, and it did uh, in Liverpool. I've got absolutely no idea what they played, cannot remember a bloody song. Uh, but what I do remember is Mr. Smith had some very, very shiny shoes on, which was uh, very nice, you know. Right? But uh, yeah, it's, it's like full on sort of like glam rock mode, hence the title. Um, so it's kind of amusing for that. I did like to imagine Smith wearing a, a big mirrored hat, uh, a bit like Noddy Holders. Um, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an all right song. I remember Peel playing it back in the day, uh, and I quite liked it then compared to some of the stuff off the LP. Um, so it's, it's all right, but you know, again, not my favorite era, uh, but it's pretty competent, um, does what it does. Aye, you can definitely imagine a, a, a pop video with Vic Reeves in that era dressed as Noddy Holder with mirrors all over him, stomping around. <laughs> that would have been uh prime. I feel like Rigby, what this one, it just doesn't make sense to you, does it? It's, it's true, you can tell it from the puzzled look on my visage. Uh, I, I, I like the intro, I'd love to hear hear that song, uh, which is why I showed that Metronomy track yesterday that it reminded me of. Um, and then it, it sort of careers into the uh, into the glam rock that everyone's been describing so well. I was going to mention Renegade, given the fact that the, the book club thing coming up quite soon, which I'm assuming is why Rob was genning uh, up. Um, and it, yeah, I, I, I remember the reference in that that you made to uh, to Glitter. Um, and it is, it's, it's, it's a bit of an odd genre of music, glam rock, isn't it? the sort of people that are associated with that, like your Bowies and, and stuff and uh, you swear, uh, not swear, Slade that you've mentioned. But um, the thing that jumped out to me the most about it, because I didn't think the music was all that, I think other people have done parodies of Glam better. Doctor in the Tardis is the one that instantly sprang to mind for me, which I, I think is a much livelier kind of tune and it's 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 got a bit more of a... Well, that's just sampling, isn't it? That's just like loads of different samples of like glam stuff just whacked together with over the Doctor Who theme by the the KLS. Might be underplaying some of the production at work there, but uh, but I, I just think it comes across a bit better in the in the final dynamic record. But um, the the line that jumped out to me was the whole stuff about swear. It's about the, the fact he's queathed in swear or entrenched in swear. Uh, was I, I just thought it was a really good way of describing somebody. I think we've all seen Rodies like that. Haven't we? So yeah, I'm. 
Austin, I, I took a similar uh, similar view to you, Brent. I thought he was picking on something like that. Um, I don't think the music really does that much in this record to to talk about. I think the lyrics do all the heavy lifting, really, and it's that's quite funny and enjoyable. But I couldn't shake off the fact it was a bit of a novelty, and the novelty wore off after a while. So it's uh, not one of my favourites today. Yeah, I'm with you. That, that distorted intro is really nice, and then the glitter beat comes in. But yeah, once it gets a bit meaty. Um, Shanley and Scanlon don't quite go too full on pub pub, and that was the thing like about Glammy. You had the 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 Bowie end, which was arty and fey and, and light, and then you got Brickies in mascara at the other end of the <laughs> of the, the spectrum, just like rocking out pub pop a pub rock. Blackbuster! Yeah, but what else can you do with that beat once you start playing it? I don't think the boys had any options to be honest. Once Funky Side started playing it, and and it does give more credence to the idea of the infotainment scan being somewhat of a 70s concept album where he's protesting about hating nostalgia and yet every single song talks about spangles and uh and has uh glam rock beats in it but yeah stopping all stop eating all that chocolate salad instead in fact you're a half wit just not no no pause between the between the abuse glam rick rhinestone your clearer produces rick torfen rashes you post out 60-page computer printouts on the end of forests. Uh, he talked about Sting making this book <laughs> about how we should save forests that was like printed on high-gloss paper and stuff like that. And <laughs> I'm going to take the opportunity, because I did fall and dug deep on this, um, about Suede, because the, the suggestion is, you know, that was when Suede were at their biggest. And um, they were essentially thought maybe they were having a dig at, at uh, Smith has said no, he he knew Brett Anderson for some while and he said the first time I met Brett he keeled over on the floor I got on okay with him but he kept following me into the toilet every time I went for a piss it's God honest truth for drugs no 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 for sex I don't know maybe he just wanted to look at my underwear and um, Swade supported the fall and um, you know, the, one of the one of the guys from Suede saying, you know, they said he could be really t- rough on support bands, but he gave us lots of time. He came to speak to us in the soundcheck. He was really friendly, and the shows were great. And on the way home, we were listening on the radio, and uh, Smith had an interview right after the gig. And Smith said, "Did you like any of the new bands who call you an influence?" And Mark said, "Like who?" Skinner said, "Well, like Suede." He just said, "Never heard of him." <laughs> <laughs> Um, it reminds me of an interview Brett Anderson did with Enemy, uh, where he said he was bisexual, but he'd never had a homosexual experience. Yes, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what he was there for. Exactly, but I mean, swayed some great, great stuff, but not in the same league, maybe as the Mighty Fall. That first album, that first album's a gem. Like yeah, great voice and all that good stuff. But uh, what does Tim think of this one? So he has <laughs> good, stompy, and sladish funny lyrics, but maybe not. Not the most essential thing I've ever heard. Seems a bit like an old man moaning about irrelevant things, decorated by the occasional wonderful mumbots. Sorry, bon mots, accompanied by some pretty tame and standard accompaniment. I like it and wouldn't skip it. Praise indeed. Well, it is on against up against Bournemouth Runner from Ben Sinister 1986. Once again, the curse of Ben Sinister means that none of us know what this song sounds like. So remind us. <laughs> Look at 
Robert Bournemouth Runner. What you got for us? I thought you were going to steal my thunder and explain the story of this being a uh, song inspired by a fan trying to steal the backdrop from Bournemouth gig in 1985. They managed to get out of the venue, then security got the dude and then beat him to a bloody pulp by the sounds of it um, before recovering it. So for me, I was just even trying to imagine this playing out of like someone during the gig stealing the backdrop and like getting out of there. And for me, I could only just picture like some kind of like or curb your enthusiasm type moment where like everyone's watching like is that guy is he trying to is he trying to take the backdrop because like <laughs> backdrops are not an easy thing to run away with and i just imagine this kind of like awkward clumsy arms full of the thing like you're not going to take the time to like properly roll it and like put it under your arm and then like get out so i'm just imagining this very delayed scene of like is this part of the show is that guy supposed to be taking the thing and then like security like all right i guess yeah this guy's clearly just taking the thing and apparently that marky smith was quite uh would you say protective of the backdrops brendan can you apparently he really he really liked the backdrops and that was one of the main things that he was bothered about when they were on tour that the backdrop was good and it was up on stage so liked the tune nice rockabilly type song after that kind of like slow looming building uh intro and thinking that i wouldn't have much to talk about i tried to educate myself on uh, bournemouth a little bit because i'm a ignorant north american who doesn't know much about other countries two fun quick facts for you the beatles after liverpool and London. bournemouth yeah Sorry. bournemouth is the uk town where the beatles played most concerts in the uk after liverpool and london and as well it's also the place where winston churchill almost died when he was 18 in 1892 a young 18 year old winston churchill fell from a bridge in bournemouth and after falling 29 feet he was unconscious for three days and bedridden for three months perhaps connected to the song but probably not you ever see that film called young winston where he's like train surfing yeah that's what the song is about yeah yeah anyways back to the song uh 96 tears like keyboards uh like the rockabilly side of it good this one connects in the way for me the glam racket doesn't it's got all the high energy bits they all fall together in a nice way really really like this one indeed yes thanks for that you've uh my fact checking cuz my cousin um alistair what do you make of bournemouth runner um yeah the intro reminded me of like a slowed down version of strict nine or something but yeah what once it kicks in, it's got like a really sort of solid beat with functional bass. And I did scribble down 96 tiers for the keyboards. I'm Rock Lobster just to sort of like go into default mode. But they jammed out, but the M's dead good, dead groovy. Don't know great about the lyrics, but I do like the song. Indeed. Brilliant. Philip, what about this one? Well, I, I had a, a, a reference for the keyboards, but it wasn't 96 tiers. It reminded me of, I think, Karen Brew was on the bass the other day, but I bet him asking Clint Boone to join the uh, mm. to join the fall at some point. Really reminded me of Spiral Carpets, this. Once it kicks in, it just had that poppy sort of Hammond organ vibe about it. All. Um, I mean, I, I, I hear the 96 tiers thing now, it's 
said it, and I hear the strychnine thing absolutely with Molly. I totally agree with that. Um, again, it's another one of these false start type songs, isn't it? Where they, they start off with this doomy sort of Joey Division esque kind of intro, and then it's it's all a big blind, and they, and they just do a handbrake turn and go into this kind of crazy little 60s psychedelia pop song for this crazy story that uh, that Rob set out before. Um, I, I, I really like it. I really like it. And I really like how it loosens up right halfway through and just it just bounces all the way to the end. So they have a weird start, but the second half of the song is absolutely fine. Yeah, that yeah, that dark and heavy Hanley bass set in that mood. Yeah, and it does sound like a garage tune really slowed down. Smith doing that quiet crooning. And then a left turn of the most splendidest kind. And I've written they've turned into the inspiral carpets. The big 60s organs take over, driving beautifully. And uh, Funky Psy there on the, I guess, either a rim shot or a hat, just, just pushing it along. Great keys, I think. It's Simon Rogers at this point. How could you know it was a Bournemouth runner? The drums take over when they get into the uh, nice, the fast, fast bit, and it's really nice. But yes, yeah, all about them keyboards, I think. So, so Rob, apparently we have the name of the young man who decided to take this backdrop. After the encore, Terry Stoat, sounds like a made-up name, who had been a fall fan since the 70s, jumped onto the stage... <laughs> Terry Stoat. Stoat. That's a Monty Python Stoat. name, right? Stoat. S T O A T E. The Larch has been a fall fan since the 70s. He jumped onto the stage, pulled the backdrop off. He jumped off the stage, said to me, come on, and ran out of the side door. A couple of bouncers chased after him, and after about 200 yards, they caught him, and I arrived just to see the last punch being thrown and the backdrop being taken back. Terry was still smiling, though. He was smiling even more when the track Bournemouth Runner was released for a while. He ran a van removals firm under the same name. Apparently, <laughs> the backdrop was never seen again. Um, brilliant. Ezra, what's Bournemouth Runner do for you? Yeah, it, it's it's great the way the track kind of punctures its own kind of gothic pretensions and launches into this Keystone Cops type uh, riffing. Presumably, that's the moment that the uh, the backdrop was purloined. And yeah, the, as has been said, the keyboards are just beautifully chirpy, perky keys, the kind of thing that I really, really love. And it's interesting how a man will form, you know, like these kind of relationships with inanimate objects. I'm sure we're all capable and have done so, but Marky Smith, he really seemed to have something. For his backdrops, he would describe them as money. That's money, that is. That's money. I don't know what part of a backdrop represents money for a band, because I've never given a toss if a band is performing with or without a backdrop. But he goes even further in the lyrics here, like, uh, here we go. He took away our guiding light. Our backdrop was friendly, bendy. Often it would rumble into hotel and partake with us in diluted drink and dog meat of RAC recommended hostelry. So I really, really like that backdrop. <laughs> he would take it for drinks. I'll I'll, I'll I'll speak up in defence of backdrops, though. I've I've used them with my band. You put a lot of work into it. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's you only have one. So if somebody okay. nicks it, I'd, I'd probably go running after them and fucking up for me as well. To be honest with you, it didn't. It was. I, I, did, I did always. I did always used to like going to gigs when the, you got a band with a really shit backdrop, and it just <laughs> looks like it's been done by a bunch of three-year-olds. Yeah, th those are the best ones. I concur. Consumed with premonition of trouble on horizon by my 
my remarks, I was certain that I was destined for persecution, but then I took a chase after the Bournemouth runner. Bournemouth runner was chilled to the bone at 8 a.m. on a Bournemouth bone. There was a dead drunk outside Route 51. Two nights before Bristol Ball, a runner took backdoor exit hall. Bournemouth runner. So well, there was um, in static record shopping, Wigan. Somebody stole some hot chip records. So this dude was being dodgy and he like going around and then Paul noticed that the hot chip records had all gone. And so they made a rec poster where someone drew a picture of what they remembered him looking like and, and they put it in the window saying hot chip thief. If you see this man, please let us know. Uh, and I can't I can't think of Bournemouth Runner without thinking of hot chip thief. It's, uh, it's brilliant. What does Tim think of this? Hmm. So he put more evidence that Ben Sinister is one of the highlights of the Vegas era the funky keys are infectious Mark is on absolute form and the stop start building is handled superbly I like how they absolutely mangle what be a jolly chug and make it feel on the verge of collapse the drums sound great especially in the cavernous sounding breakdown could spend days praising it oh alas so we've got suede against yeah, pulp he's in a really good mood isn't he with these yeah. Let's see which one goes through, Philip, which you're putting through. It's got to be Bournemouth for all of Easy for you, innit? Easy. Ezra, what about you? I'll go with the Glam Rockets. Indeed, indeed. Robert? Bournemouth Runner. Okay. Alistair? I'll go with Bournemouth Runner, uh, which uh, the title does remind me of something you find in the Profanosaurus. Make your own explanation. There's references. And what about Tim? Timothy Troitois is going with Bournemouth Runner. Ah, it's a done deal. I'm also going with Bournemouth, although I do have a lot of time for the glam racket, but it's got no chance of coming back, sadly. That is going to be a tough, tough last chance bag when we get there. Uh, moving on to the next showdown with the, the unutterable title track from the 2000 LP. Ezra, over to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, um, it sounds like one of the members of the group had a very resonant bed frame, which they then put into service to create an Einstazende Neubaut and Troll track with some um, pretty good gonking going on there. Um, and yeah, Marky e. Smith sounds like he could have been on the right end or the wrong end of a bottle of whiskey. With and it's very pleasant. I mean, apart from the incredibly unpleasant 
shrieking noise that starts the song, the rest of it is pleasant. Indeed. I stood here and saw before me the unutterable, the unthinkable gulf that yawns profound between true worlds, the world of matter and the world of spirit. Philip, unutterable. 2000. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I was trying to start off a, a debate about Baps and Dan's following the uh, the Ifra track, but it seems that Ezra's already coined a new word of gonking. So I said, uh, I'm going I'm going to stick with the gonks and uh, I like the gonks. I think the gonks are good. Uh, good gonking. Uh, I think the, the words are suitable and I also think that I uh, I just I love his croony voice. I, I can't hear enough of Mez crooning. Uh, as soon as he switches on the Elvis uh, dimension, I'm all for it. So yeah, it's just, I enjoy them. Crooning, that's an interesting way to describe what we've just heard. Is it? That's how my mother would describe that if she heard Marquis Smith Oh he's like well, that Elvis He's just like that Elvis I'm thinking more Bing Crosby But you know It's, uh, it's not like Brendan are you listening to, Are you listening to Dean Martin in there Is that a <laughs> Dean Martin LP <laughs> Some fine crooning in there Anyway Alistair What do you make of Unutterable 2000 I've been amused by the, uh, the, the references to gunks, uh, which reminded me of a, a film called The Gunks Go Beat. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, Brendan. <laughs> I have not, uh, but it, it sounds like it's on some list somewhere. It sits on the video cassette. Only foreign movies. <laughs> it's it's like a, one of those films where they get like uh, Tommy Trinder or somebody like that in it, like, you know, but it's sort of a swinging 60s um, gunks film. Yeah. Who's Tommy Trinder? It's, it's nearly as good as uh, Day of the Leapers, uh, which is. The, the one about giant rabbits with them. Um, no, I've seen that one. Yeah, that's bonkers. Yeah, I've seen that yeah. one. Star Trek, DeForest Kelly in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But who's Tommy Trinder? He's Tommy Trinder. Yeah. Oh, God. But what, which planet have you been living on? <laughs> you <laughs> lucky people. <laughs> Aye, but yeah, unutterable. It's a it's a long one uh, coming in at uh, one minute and seven seconds. Um, I, yeah, the, the the noise, the, the rhythms, like bah, 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 bah. It seems really like this really shit steel drum that I've got, um, which is is fantastic. I love the the sort of just making it sound crappy for the sake of it. Um, but yeah, it's quite entertaining. I, I don't mind this one. Uh, it does remind me a little bit of uh, Purple Visit, you know, but like it's oh. kind of like a later version of it in a bit more stripped down indeed um tommy trinder it was more or less the southern george formby he was he was their lad oh like a rubbish george yeah like a rubbish george formby essentially what does tim think of the unutterable he's got no well, time no time for this at all good shit a bit of filthy experimentation to contrast the well-polished and shiny lp has atmosphere and guts and bags of personality and doesn't stick around longer than it should he's not and feeling well weak is he? he's really <laughs> I would never around and see you make sure he's all right. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be staring at the wood chip. Oh, my head's in bits. I will never understand that young man. Clanking guitar being hit with drumstick, maybe, and other things also being hit. An intro of sorts, not unlike the outro. So let's stick it halfway on side two of the album. The non-appliant sound, the dead Dirk Sprung technique horrible, the breath of Nick on dripping post-seizure, Venetian floated brain of intolerable, the rank posturings and post-durings insights of the unutterable. Madness. It's it's bonkers. What does anyone else think that I haven't asked you? 
What do you think of the unutterable 2000? Bless you, Brennan. Uh, just to check the definition, unutterable. I was thinking it was something to be difficult to say, but in fact, it's the description too great or awful to describe. And I wrote in my notes after first listening, is this worth being the title track of an album? And I answered my own question by saying, yes, I really like this. I really enjoy this. I love Ezra's description of the bed springs. I love how each of us are trying to figure out what was making those percussive sounds in the background. I was wondering if it's like a, you know, a muffled piano hitting on the low ends. Yeah, drumstick on a guitar, cello, something like that. Uh, to me, this is the perfect length for what it was. Just an atmospheric mousse-bouche palette cleanser type of a tune within the flow of the album. Um, I love just, yeah, the whiskey slurred vocals creating the kind of effect playing with the words. And for me, just his like slurring of unutterable at the end is the thing that makes this stand out as like, oh yeah, that's its its little charm here. So me quite enjoy this one. Indeed. And moose bush gonking till of the of the episode, surely. <laughs> For me, gonking, I don't know gunking, don't know much about, but I do know uh donks. And this might be a good song to put a donk on it. Yeah, it's so, very good. Well done. It goes gonk, 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 donk. So there is actually a donk on it. Nice. And um, I hear that Donk, um, very popular in King Carden out there in Ontario. Strictly because of me attempting to import it, yes. Very good. Um, It is up up against Jingle Bell Rock from the Peel session in the year of our Lord, 1994. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock, Jingle Bell Sound, Jingle Bell Sound. And dancing Jingle Bell Square and the frosty air. They are walking with M and his bags. Doing the jingle bell. The jingle bell. That's the jingle bell. That's the jingle bell. Rock. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells chat. Jingle bell rap. Let's sing your head down in jingle bell style. With a jungle style. Letting your hair down in Jingle Bell style, in a jungle style. Philip, what does uh, Jingle Bell Rock do for you? Interestingly, again, a coincidence. Coincidentally, uh, obviously, it's just we're in December. This is going. This, this show is going to go out pretty much close to Christmas. And um, the next one, Protein Protection, had a, a Christmas version as well. So uh, Mark pulling the strings again from behind, behind the grave. <laughs> What do you make of Jingle Bell Rock? It's good fun. It's noisy, it's funny, guitars, got a great studio tone for this type of poppy um, song. Got a bit of a noisy wash over the top of it all, very stumpy. Mezzy's in playful moods, all for the better. Um, What's not to like, really, about this? It's just, uh, of of all the Christmas tunes you could get forced to hear over the uh, festive period, I think this is... That's one of the best. It's a it's a great version. It's nice. It's fun. I would have liked it to have been in the red a bit more, but uh, other than that, I think it's delightful. And um, what does Tim think? I'll let you know. He says shit. 
eyes this fever's broke <laughs> back back to this the ice cold reality i'll tell you somebody somebody won't think it's shit ezra ezra what do you think of this um yeah i mean it's interesting again that uh marky e. smith seemed to have such a boner for christmas um i wonder if he bought his backdrop a christmas present every year <laughs> i would hope so um, yeah, it, it's good, but it ain't no Xmas with Simon. True. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, fair enough. Fair play. Yeah, it's fun. It's bouncy. Doesn't outstay its welcome. But it's not Xmas with Simon. No, I, we are going to, when we do our Christmas party in a couple of weeks' time, uh, I'm thinking of ranking the Christmas songs. So we'll see uh, how those five or six go head to head. I can't remember if it was this song or the, or the 14 Goose song, but there was a comment underneath on the YouTube video that said, Mez, really had a Dickensian love of Christmas, didn't he? <laughs> yes, Dickensian indeed. What about um, Rob McLeod? What does he think? Yeah, quite like this one. I, I think more enjoyed the idea of trying to imagine what the session looked like where they were trying to make this arrangement. Like I, my initial note said, almost and occasionally contains the melody of the song Jingle Bells. Like it's there, but just not enough to make it very fallish. Some nice minor keyed chords thrown in there for good measure, toying around with the words a little bit. Quite like it. Having read Renegade, interesting that Mark does touch on his love of Christmas, uh, which for me, in my growing conception of the man, didn't quite match with what I thought he'd be into. But I quite liked what he said. He said, I must admit, I don't like Christmas in England because everywhere closes down for three weeks. It's disgusting. You can't get any bread or milk. Christmas is more of a family time where families can beat each other up. So there seems to be some kind of bizarre abuse of nostalgia thrown in there. Um, and nice that he brings the the more playful, upbeat side of himself to this one. Quite enjoy it as a listener, especially at this time of year. Apparently, um, I think it's on the Untated Fall. So they, when they do the Peel session, they decide to do some Christmas songs. They didn't know how Jingle Ball Rock actually went. So Hanley had to go out and get a copy of it. And he found one, he brought it back, but it was the Chet Atkins instrumental version. So they get they got an idea of the, the tune, but Mez, other than the title, didn't know. <laughs> any of the words so that's why he made them up and i think he did a sterling job walking with with mns backs friday night friday night oxford street it, it does capture that spirit of christmas actually i think he he does kind of nail it i remember one christmas where me and phil were kicking a lamppost for an hour after we'd had one too many shandies that's christmas for us in wigan um we had a good time we did alistair lamppost abuse at christmas at christmas as well you bastards if i remember rightly they were covered in snow and kicking them made all the snow fall off and we were shouting it's snowing <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a reason. It was justified. It wasn't just abusive. It was a stutter. All right, okay. That, that makes it all fine. Then. I won't report you to social we services. Were, we were 28 uh, years old. <laughs> In your youth. But yeah, Jingle Bell Rock. Um, yeah, we, we kind of covered it last year, didn't we, uh, at some point? Um, but the cover is fantastic, isn't it? Um, Smith and his like, full-on fat gurning face, uh, with uh, a little doggy on his, his lap, uh, dressed as Father Christmas. Um, a lovely image. But yeah, it's, it's a fairly functional cover. Bit of a novelty. I don't mind it. It's all right. All right. Well, come down to a vortex. I don't need to ask you which way you're going, because I know, but which way are you going? I'm going to... Put a donk on it and go for the unutterable. Indeed. It's not a cover. It's not a cover. How do you know? Are you sure it's not some kind of bizarre Steve Reich tribute that you haven't been what? told about? 
That's it. I mean, my ignorance was exposed last week, wasn't it? Again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the bobbies told me. Phil, <laughs> which way are you going? Uh, I don't I don't I don't mind the new old jingle bells. Not mind the old jingle bells, but uh, I, I'm gonna have to go with him not sure, I think. Aye, as am I. Robert. Tis the season for the unutterable to destroy this festive throwaway, the unutterable. Hi, Ezra. I'm sticking with voting against my better instincts and interests, and I'm going to vote for Jingle Bell Rock. Good man. What about Tim? I don't think we need to even uh, <laughs> ask. <laughs> I think it may have gone for unutterable. <laughs> His one word review sandwich. Moving on. We're up next is Protein Protection from the Real New Fall LP, formerly Country on the Click, 2004. to that more good shit brendan you are spoiling us the run of mike's love protein and recovery kit is one of my favorite runs of songs on a fall record this is oozing atmosphere and sounds unlike anything else they did in my opinion backing vocals and tribalist drumming scuzzy overdrive and hit priest bark just fill me with joy yes and he has a real soft spot for this era country on the click heads roll which i actually do too i got back well into the fall during that era so those two records listen to a lot it seems like maybe you chaps it's a bit of a blind spot for you bet i bet you can't even tell me the lineup of the band on country and the click uh Mackie smith smith was there <laughs> your fingers are you just stretching your fingers there phil <laughs> cracking your knuckles no i was actually searching for a different uh song that it only just reminded me of when it started that because i must admit i i did the the little bit of a write-off on this thinking ah it's just protein christmas again isn't it it's just another version what the hell's brendan doing putting this on again twice a doubler a swapsy that we perhaps could have had a different tune for but the more i listened to it the more that i realized that this is very defeat that's the christmas tune and i love that protein christmas so I think it's fantastic but this is very different and it really it just stood out to me then how much like it sounds like shellac when it starts I was trying to remember the tune off um, Dog and Pony Show um, that this it's virtually the same the start off is it the Admiral maybe I don't know um, yeah. uh, or Bosch's Dick maybe it might be one of those one of those two it's exactly the same riff um, it's a really heavy tune this this is definitely going on the Metal E. Smith uh, compilation that I 
I'm putting together. Um, and I think the words are really good. There's the it's been a standout show today for lyrics. And again, this is really, really top draw. Um, it really reminded me of some of the Wyndham Lewis stuff we were talking about the other day, the sort of the politics of the masses and all that kind of thing that he's he's weaving into it. Um, doesn't have the same tricks that they pull on the protein Christmas thing, has different kinds of atmosphere tricks and pulls a very different atmosphere off. What I wrote off originally as being a bit more of a demo of that song is actually just a very different course that they take um and i i really really love this i think it grew on me probably more than any other tunes um so yeah double thumbs up awesome indeed i'll put you out of your misery the lineup was trafford milner pritchard collectively later to be known as the tlc's they I'm only just did because you're not reading that off anything you just the... knew that off the top, i just yeah. i just knew it um it did jim watts was there for a couple of albums and then this is the only album yeah. three Jim Watts, who did Jim's The Fall. He was there for Are You a Missing Winner and um And the Fix. He did some of this, the fix. But what the reason why I went back and had a look and checked who's on it, because I think these two it gives us a really nice way to compare those two fairly similar bands, the, the Heads Roll era and the lads at the end. Um, because Protein Protection against OFYC Showcase, they both plow a similar kind of path, but treat it really quite differently, even though this is a very heavy riffage and uh, drummage. Um, but the, the it's got a little bit of cheek in it. It's not totally lump and it doesn't just like slam in and just kind of uh, grind into the ground. It's got a little bit of cheeky riffage and uh, Mez is energized, um, doesn't outstay its welcome, unlike a couple of others that I could name. I like those ooh backing vocals. And yeah, I think it's different enough from Protein Christmas. But yeah, I mean, they're clearly based on the same track. And that break where, where the chords ring out is very reminiscent of the Stooges. But great use of it. Apparently, no protein protection in self-enforced exile. The chimney is the chief. No hubbard or husbandry or freedom of the holy terror. You know its smell, a good batter in a Billy backhand way. Come on. What does Ezra think of protein protection? Yeah, it's a proper good one, isn't it? I mean, yeah, like the rest of you, I was like, or maybe more accurately, like Philip, I was like, wait a minute, we've done this. But I guess we haven't. Um, and I've not, I didn't have the chance to go back to protein Christmas to try and like, you know, uh, pass the differences. It's, it's a great track. It's very, very heavy. Maybe it's a bit of the crow from Shellac. Do you think? Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> one of my favorite little lines all the time, double thingy, which I thought was cracking. So, yeah, all good. All good. Yeah, as was nailed it. Gotta play a little bit of the crawl. Right ahead of you.
Identical. <laughs> Fucking butchered. <laughs> <laughs> what, does, uh, what does Rob think of this shellac cover? This yeah, is no. why you were never allowed to DJ at gigs. That was why. <laughs> the one I got banned for was playing um, the Godspeed You Black Emperor album with Robert Frost poems over the top of it. <laughs> Someone's birthday party. I got kicked off after 20 minutes and I was never allowed to DJ again. Um, Robert, what do you make of this song? Yeah. So can you play the, the crow song now? I just heard the protein protection one. <laughs> okay. Keep it short and sweet here. Love the tension in the song. Love the chorus choir ooze in the background or really nice touch texturally um i had no ability to figure out what the lyrics are referring to read through the uh, annotated fall footnotes and it was just like nine completely separate different topics uh my confusion did not take away from my overall enjoyment really 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 like this one it is a it is a good one and that era gets a lot of love it is that country on the click is a great lp um the the beginning of the falls second half and um eleni being on the scene makes a big difference yeah i've no idea what the lyrics mean it's just another set of beautiful abstract poems which uh resonate on a whole other level thank you steve albini um what about you alistair yeah i, I picked up on the the albini thing i well it's you know it sounds like they've uh, eaten a few shellac lps but i also wrote about it it sounds like trans am uh covering ennio morricone because you've got that uh, you know like backing vocals that spacious bit that's really nice uh, with, with, you know with the chords ringing out but yeah he, 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 i think he just it sounds a little anemic for, for like um uh, for shellac really the um, they're very hard hitting at times but it's a very good song off a very good LP are you suggesting that a Shellac album may have better production than Fallout God forbid I'd ever suggest anything <laughs> like that Mr. Igby <laughs> <It laughs> three producers when you listen to them back to back though yeah I mean that Shellac one goes very hard and um, but the, the protein protection does it holds its own to some degree but I'll, I'll give you that one Alistair Ezra what about protein protection for you have you just told me already told I'm sorry I'm literally <laughs> my mind uh, Phil, what about you? I started off, didn't I? Rob, what about you? Uh, my notes, short and sweet. Really, really like this one. Good tension. Uh, like the background choir. Good stuff. Really, Al, really like Al, it. what about you? Uh, what about me, Shipman? Shipman. What about Tim? Tim hasn't told us. Uh, what did he say? Do, 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 do. Yeah, he has. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's a full round. A full round. What about me? I've told you as well. Let's have a listen to what it's up against, which is O-F-Y-C- showcase from the 2010 LP of the same kind of sort of same name.
bit West Side Story, isn't it? What about, Robert, what do you make of our future Your Clutter Showcase? Love the idea of the title, the future clutter concept. Uh, to me, the song has the potential. Drums come in nice and hard, expecting a lot, and then sadly a bit disappointed. Feels like unfinished Smith vocals to me, aside from the weird chanting moaning that he does at the end. I did like that. Uh, it does showcase the potential of the band to make the most out of a one-note verse and essentially two notes in the chorus. Uh, had it been pushed to the red, maybe could have gone in the direction of like a Sonics or the Mummies kind of a thing. It's got that high-energy feel, but to me, this one flopped onto the side of sterile for me. And uh, as an insult to the song, the actual best part of it to me was like the last eight seconds of that like tiny distorted keyboard sound blipping in and out in almost like a William Bezinski uh, broken shattered kind of way. I actually liked that part of the song and the drum intro the most. Everything in between, not my cup of uh, kombucha. I get you, Robert. Ezra, how did you feel about this? Well, I wouldn't go quite that far. You know, I feel like um, this album has really gotten some pretty short shrift. And I think it's an album that is quite likely, I haven't listened to it yet because I'm saving myself for the time that we'll discuss the album as a whole on the podcast. I think it's probably one of the very the much more stronger ones from the later period. And so far we've spat in the face of Bury Parts 1 and 3, which I think is fantastic fucking track it's one of my top later period full tracks the slippy floors track which i kind of I, I haven't listened to it recently but somehow this track reminds me of that but maybe not quite as good as that but unfortunately we already voted that one off which was an enormous mistake but this one yeah it's great um i love the <laughs> I love the vocal performance as well, especially with the completely unhinged and completely unconnected to any other part of the music when Smith starts going, ah, 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 which is just some next level old fuck yodeling. So, yeah, and I think it's very good. Yes. One of the things about this LP, and we are coming to it next week, Ezra, is... Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> we're doing the next set next week, but it just misses out on that. Yeah, Barry, we, we kicked out. Cowboy George, we let in. We let through last week. Weather Report, we got through, I think. Funnel of Love got booted off and um, a couple of others. But one thing for me, this sounds like about four, four or five of the songs on the album are all cut from very similar cloth. Chino, Slippy Floor, Hot Cake. Mexico wax solvent and this one a bit of a hard time kind of telling apart and yeah I like the tight snares love me a tight snare I, I love that filtered keys coming in I think Eleni I think that was good I was still on board at that point joins the stomp maybe but once again Peter Greenwick uh, I feel bad sometimes because he does some great stuff but a lot of these tunes he, he he's it's almost like they, they bring them in one by you one you are the weakest link goodbye <laughs> but it's unfair though because it's like the, the drums and the bass can just play standard fairly generic stuff and get away with it and it'd be okay because the guitars and vocals are supposed to do something creative and, and original that's the unfairness of the pop rock paradigm and uh, but Greenway does not bring it on this one sadly I just wish there was some of that deafness some of that wiriness 
test, like I said about the last one, the protein, it had a bit of cheeky riffage. And you can imagine Scanlon in his heyday playing some really gnarly, wiry stuff over the top of this and it being awesome. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I feel like it's a decent garage stomp long, but it's a bit short on ideas and it's a bit lumpen. Um, as again, why I was saying compare the protein protection to this. Protein protection is still has a bit of a whiff of the pub, but it's got something about it. This is proper back room, half past three in the morning. Uh, rock along, which, uh, you know, maybe that's uh, some people's pumpkin soup and mashed potatoes, but it, it ain't mine. Philip? Okay, so uh, I don't disagree with anything that's been said so far. Um, I do like the fact there's some whammy bar on this, though, which is, uh, I don't think I've heard much of that going on in the whole back catalogue. Um, so that is one positive, I guess, for the old green wear. Um, I, I think it, it starts off well. I was reminded, actually, of a bit of, like, techno type, maybe even, like, um, what's it called? Scratching and rolling, is it? Or scratching off that homework? Uh, yeah. Like the funk, it's got that sort of technically kind of filtered vibe at the start of it. Rolling and scratching, rolling and scratching. That's it. Yeah, thank you. I, I quite like that. I, I uh, in fact, anything that Elaine's got fingers on really definitely is uh, is good, isn't it? But it does. I think I wrote in my notes something along the lines of it. It's it's of the better end of the pub rock whiff, whereas you know they've they've done a lot worse than this. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be put in a bad mood by this if played it live. Um, but at the same time, it's um, there's, there's not much to scratch into at all. What about you, Alistair? Do you disagree strongly with that statement? Um, I weren't really listening. Um, so, nice one. <laughs> Probably for the best. <laughs> That's why it works so well. It's minimal but effective, not wanky. It's a bit garagey, like, you know, keys have been mentioned before quite like, um, you know, it's the, the in the red thing. As has been said, it could it could do with roughing up a little bit and uh, kicking around. And that's why I do agree with Phil. I was actually listening to him. I was only joking. Um, that live, it'd probably be better. I like because you get that raw kind of sound to it. And like with protein protection, I think the thing that makes that kind of interesting is the fact they get into like a 4-3 timing, which... Um, I don't think the fall do that often, really. Um, but it gives it that extra sort of like dynamic. So when you kind of like change to the next rhythm, it, it, you can feel the difference. Where, with this, it's just like it's just that standard kind of beat going on and on. Like, but I don't, I don't mind it. But it's it's not dead interesting. It remind me a little bit of of Noi at, at, towards the end. But I think again that it's just like the minimal approach that they've got to it. Uh, so it's, it's simple but effective. I. Annotated Fall picked out the meaning behind it. So apparently Smith said uh, he was in Ireland and he saw a sign that says, our equity is your future. And he said, that's really fucking Irish. You can't say fairer than that, can you? It sounds like a curse. It's something a Satanist would say, our riches are your soul. It's a bit hard to explain. I always got our our future, your clutter, which they then switched at one point. It was our future, your clutter, and then your, your future, our clutter. As they switched around, but our future Euroclutter suggested that they knew that the CD was going to be bought and then just essentially thrown into a pile of shit on the floor at some point, like Kibble, the apartment just getting fuller and fuller with fall CDs and um, knockoff bootleg laser discs. What does Tim think? Here's put uh, another one that could sail through on most weeks, but here has no chance. I love the way it just looks, locks into a one-note groove for ages with that filter swept synth note stabbing away. 
Admittedly, it sort of devolves into a fairly standard riff rock affair after a while, but it's fun, so who cares? I love Mezzi's inept bits. Me too. So do I. And so let's take a vote. Protein protection or OFYC showcase? Robert? The alliteration of protein protection. Ooh. Philip? Yeah, PP. Hi, Ezra? I'll go with the OFYC showcase. He's done it again. He's, he's read the room and he's gone against his better judgment. Alistair? Protein protection for me. You're not playing along, guy. You could have done it. You could have swung it. Alistair? Could have done. Can't be asked one's fingers. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> not again. Going to the glitter. If the counts, no. Uh, what does Tim think? Where's he gone? Easy. Uh, he's no, he's put uh, protein. Yeah, me too. So that means protein protection goes through, as does unutterable and Bournemouth runner and paintwork. So all in all, Robert, did the right ones go through? Brennan, this week, happy to report all the right songs went through. Brilliant. If you could just tell us that every time an episode comes out, whether the right ones have gone through, that would warm the cockles of our hearts. <laughs> Quality control, yes. Well, <laughs> post-cog. Well, I hope you can come back one day and uh, talk to us about the Marky Smith book, Renegade in the new year. But uh, next in store for us, chaps, is the next special which we are looking at a real new fall album, Heads Roll, Reformation Post-TLC, and Imperial Wax Solvent, the penultimate run of albums that takes us through more multiple lineup changes. And then the week after that, we will, if we feel so inclined, do a Christmas special slash party. Looking forward to it, should, should such a thing happen. Anything to say for yourself, chaps? That was good. Simply wanted to say thanks for letting me tag along for the fun today boys i really appreciate listening to what you guys do it is the lord's work and as a new fall fan it's helped me to get into the band so greatly appreciate it welcome anytime rob rob mcleod with clan mcleod integral wizards tier two we always have wizards in here wizards are a dime a dozen rob but you're a tier two wizard so how does that make you better than a regular wizard tier two is the higher elevations of the isle of sky that's right. bigger hat more pointy razor sharp all right bye see ya Oh, my God.